Today we're talking to you about vision. Talking to you about vision. Scripture says in Proverbs 29 and verse number 18, 29 and verse number 18, where there is no vision, where there is no vision from God, where there is no revelation from the Lord, the people perish. Where there is no vision, where there is no revelation from God, no direction from God Almighty, people perish. One version says people cast off restraint. In other words, they do their own thing. They run around aimlessly and they, and they end up perishing. One of my favorite sports is football. I thoroughly enjoy uh, the sport of football. And I told my wife that my favorite time of the year is fall. But if football was in the spring, my favorite time of the year would be springtime. Amen. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So I, I enjoy football. And, and can you imagine a football team that has no vision? Can you imagine a football team that has no direction and, and, and they're all going in different directions? They're just doing their own thing and, and, and the quarterback gets in the huddle and, and the quarterback calls the play and he says, we're going to have a run play on the right side and we're going to hand it off to the running back and, and they break the huddle and all the people come out the huddle and they just think, well, I'm going to do my own thing. I got my own vision. And the quarterback says, hike! And the linemen, instead of run blocking, they decide to pass block. And the fullback, instead of running and blocking on the right side, decides, well, I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing. And, and so he decides to run out in the left out there in the flats for a pass. And, and then the running back decides, well, I don't want to run the ball on the right-hand side. I want to run on the left-hand side. So he runs left, the quarterback turns right, and the, and the running back's not there. And every single play, they do their own thing. How many know that football team's going to lose? <laughs> I mean, that's a football team with no vision. That's a football team with no direction. That football team is going to perish. And friends, can I tell you, that's how many local churches operate. Everybody's doing their own thing. There is no vision. There is no direction. People are just running wild and, and just, just doing their own thing. And, and, and the Bible says where there is no vision from God, where there is no direction from God, where there is no revelation from the Lord, people run around aimlessly and they perish. It's very important that every church has a God-inspired vision. What I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the vision of people's church. You say, Herbert, why do you share vision so much at this church? Because I do share it frequently. I do it for three reasons. Number one is because we're a rapidly growing church. You may not realize this, but you know, every year we grow 20, 25%. This year we're probably three to 400, sometimes even 500 people bigger than we were this time last year. We are a rapidly growing church, and we thank the Lord for what He's doing here at People's Church and the lives that are being changed. But because of all the new people, and we're honored you're here. I'm so honored to, to be your pastor, to teach the Word of God to you, and it's a great joy to have you here. But I have a responsibility, and my responsibility is to cast the vision so that you as new people can buy into the vision and help us to accomplish this great, big, huge, God-sized vision that God has called us to. And we want everybody pulling in the same direction. We want everybody headed toward the same goal. We don't want anybody running around aimlessly doing their own thing. We want to pull together and accomplish the vision that God has given us. There's a second reason that I share vision frequently, and that's because I, I want to help you find the right church. And as I share a vision, this may not be a fit for you. 
it may not resonate with you. And we understand that people's church is not for everybody. And we want to help you find a local church where you can support the vision and support the leadership and where you can get behind and, and, and make a huge difference for God's kingdom. And, and how many of you know life is too short to be in a church where you're unhappy? Come on, I said I had 100% amens. Amen. It's too short to be in a church. Life's too short. So, my Lord, if you're not happy, go somewhere where you can be happy in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to help you do that. So I cast vision so you'll understand where we're headed as a church. The third reason that I cast vision and, and share vision frequently is because some of you have been here a long time and you've forgotten the vision. You see, vision is a lot like a tire. It leaks. I don't understand it, but you can get your oil changed, get your, get, get, get your, get your uh, air in your tires filled up, or go air it up yourself, and you haven't hit any curbs, you've just been driving. You go check your, your, your tire, tires about a month, a month and a half later, lo and behold, one of them's running low. You think, where did the air go? I don't know where it went, but it just leaks out the tire. And a vision is a lot like that. You share vision a month ago, I shared it a year ago or two years ago, and you let it leak out of you. You forget the vision. And my job as a leader is I want to grab the holes and I want to fill you back up full of God's vision for this church so that you can get excited again, so you can get fired up again, so that you can get reengaged again and help us accomplish this huge God-sized vision. Let's just jump right into it today. Let's begin with our mission statement. In other words, if you had to sum up what this church was all about in one sentence, this would be it. Number one, it's really not in your bullet. It's printed in your bulletin. It's just a, just a heading. The first thing is this, connecting people to God and to others. Connecting people to God and to others. I want this to get in your heart today. So I want you to repeat it after me. Everybody say, connecting people to God and to others. Oh, I'm looking around here and that wasn't everybody. Come on now. Let's repeat it again. Connecting people to God and to others. That's what this church is all about. We want to help people that are far from God connect with God. See, their life changed by the power of Jesus Christ. We want to see believers growing in their relationship with God, vibrant, knowing God, serving God, living for God, connecting people to God. And not only that, but we want to connect people to others. We want to connect you with other believers. We believe the best way that your life will be changed and transformed is in a small group setting where you can be held accountable. And you can grow spiritually with other people. And you can build Christian friendships. So we want to help connect you to God and to connect you with others. Point number one, let, let's look at the vision of people's church. Point number one is this. You can fill in the blanks there in your bulletin. Take some notes. Number one, people's church will continue to reach people far from God. Will continue to reach people far from God. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9 says, he isn't really being slow about his promised return. In other words, God said, hey, hey, you guys are wondering when Jesus is coming back and, and he's not being slow like you think he is. He goes on to say, even though it sometimes seems that way, but he is waiting for the good reason that he is not willing that any should perish, and he is giving more time for sinners to repent. Can I tell you, the only reason that Jesus Christ has not yet come back for his church is that he is waiting for more people who are far from God to repent and to turn their life over to Jesus Christ. And you and I can get so all focused 
We start making church about everything else. Oh, just take me deeper, feed me, feed me, feed me. And we want everybody growing spiritually. But can I tell you the number one reason that Jesus is waiting to come back is he wants more people who are lost, who are without God, to repent and to give their heart and life over to Jesus Christ. So God the Father says, hold off, son, hold off. There are more who need to repent so they can spend eternity in my presence. And church, can I tell you, please hear this. This church is a hospital. Do you know who hospitals are for? Sick people. All right, there's three or four of you with me today. It's sick people. Sick people. The Scripture says this in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners Those who were far from God, those who were not living for God, they came and ate with him and his disciples. I I always think this is interesting that Jesus was comfortable around sinners and sinners were comfortable around Jesus. Verse number 11, when the Pharisees saw this, when the religious people saw this, when the church people saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I mean, our problem is he's eating with them. We wouldn't have a problem if he was preaching to them. We wouldn't have a problem if he was condemning them. We wouldn't have a problem if he was rebuking them. Our issue is Jesus is hanging out with sinners. What's his problem? What's up with Jesus? Hanging out with lost people. Jesus, you better get to preaching to them, boy. Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not. The healthy, Jesus said, let me tell you something about me. I'm a hospital. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Can you imagine a hospital that wouldn't admit sick people? Oh, yeah, we're a hospital, but all we take is healthy people. Yeah, we got an emergency room, full-function emergency room, but it's only open for healthy people. We want people in our hospital to have it all together. How many know that hospital's not worth a quarter? Amen. And we're called the church of Jesus Christ. We have a sign up that says church, where God's presence is, where we believe life change occurs. And what a sad place when a church is only for church people. And when people think God is only for religious people. Can I tell you something about church? It's like a hospital, it's messy. Can I tell you, a hospital's messy. People go to a hospital, they're full of disease. They're sick. They puke and throw up. They boo-boo on themselves. Oh, that's right. I said boo-boo in church. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's nasty in a hospital. Because sick people are there to get well. And friends, when the local church is functioning right, when the local church has the heartbeat of God, it's a messy place because people come with their hangups, people come with their issues, people come in their sin, and they come just like they are. And the reason it gets so messy and it starts to bother church people is this, because oftentimes unchurched people, those who are far from God, they belong before they believe. And we like people to believe before they belong. Oh, yeah, we're holy in here. You better change and be like Jesus if you won't come to deal. we holy, people. we holy. You better change up in here. Oh, you ain't as holy as you think you are. Amen. 
I know some of you. Hey, man, you. But oftentimes, let me tell you, oftentimes, unchurched people belong long before they believe. They come just like they are, and they hang out. They want to eat with Jesus first. They want to check it out first. They want to investigate. They want to kick the tires around and say, do I really want to turn my life over to Jesus? You know what oftentimes messes with all of us, and I have to pray through because sometimes it can mess with me as a pastor. But you know what oftentimes messes with people? Is oftentimes people belong, and sometimes they belong for weeks before they give their heart to Christ. There are some people that belong for months before they ever give their heart to Christ. There are some people that actually will belong and check it out and kick the tires for years before they ever cross the line and give their heart to Christ. And you and I have to be people that understand it's a process. And people belong before, before they believe. They eat with Jesus before they decide to follow him. And if you're unchurched in this place, I just want you to know something. I'm honored you're here. If you're far from God, you've got questions about God, I'm not intimidated, I'm not bothered, I'm honored you're here. I started this church with you in mind. Listen, we didn't start a church to reach a bunch of church people. They're going to heaven. They'll be fine. We started this church with you in mind, that we could reach you on your journey and help you and see you give your life to Jesus Christ. And I want you to come. If you're unchurched, listen, I want you to come just like you are with your problems, with your hang-ups, with your issues. Come on, that's how we all came to Jesus. Problems, issues. And hear me, if somebody condemns you, somebody belittles you and degrades you, you just bring them to me because I'd much rather get rid of them than you. Amen? Because I'm after you. I'm after you. I'm after you. I want you to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. If you don't know the Lord in this place today, here's what I know. If you'll come to this place every single week and you'll come seeking truth, you'll come with an open mind saying, I want truth, Pastor. I don't understand it all. I've got questions. I've got issues. But I come here. I'm seeking truth. Here's what I believe with all of my heart, that Jesus Christ will change your life. Jesus Christ is in the life-changing business. You may come for a month. You may come for a year. You may come for two years. But I know if you keep coming and you'll seek truth, that my Jesus will change your life in a radical way. He is in the life-changing business. Notice I didn't say Herbert to change your life. Notice I didn't say church people will change your life because we don't change lives. Jesus changes lives. Jesus changes lives. We had a lady that came and she kicked the tires around. Really, in her own home because when she came, she gave her heart to the Lord. Didn't grow up in church. And she became a follower of Christ. And God is radically changing her life. Check out this life-changing testimony. Growing up, we, um, our family, I have two other sisters and two stepbrothers. Uh, we grew up not really knowing a God or believing a God. We were kind of under the impression that there wasn't one. Um, so I just lived my life 
how I wanted to live it for me. Um, I didn't think I had to live for anyone else, so um, I got into drinking and being careless and not thinking about other people. And um, I'm a single mom, so I probably wasn't giving the best impression to my kids. I didn't know where else to turn, and I called my friend one Sunday morning. I just woke up and called her and said, hey, will you go to People's Church with me? And um, she said yes, and we came, and um, I came in. I cried through the whole service. He asked, you know, how he normally asked if anyone wants to be saved. I didn't even think twice about raising my hand, um, and then he said um, that they were doing the baptismal bash, and it wasn't too late if anyone wanted to go, that they could. And normally, I'd be nervous, but I, something, I just got up. I went back, and I told them. He's like, it's, you know, at first, they were like, they, they told me it might be too late. I didn't have anything to, I didn't bring clothes to change into, but they're like, no, 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 we'll go find you something. So they found me a shirt, and um, I got baptized and came back in to service dripping wet, and finished the service, and went down to the front after church. They prayed with me, and my whole life has changed. My friends have changed. Um, I started attending every Sunday, and then I got to the point where I needed more, and so recently I have joined it. the kids' ministry. Last Sunday was my first one, and I really enjoy it, and look forward to this Sunday. Um, and me and my sister attended the singles night and signed up for, we're going to sign up for a community group. And um, I just look forward to growing with this church. Jesus changes lives. And that's what this church is all about. Amy didn't grow up in church. She taught there wasn't a God. She came to this church and has experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Come on, you know you get radically saved when you come to church. You didn't even know we were baptizing people. Probably didn't even know what it was. Amy gets up the first Sunday she comes and goes and gets baptized in water. Some of you have been serving Jesus for years. I can't get you baptized. Oh, I messed my hair up. I said, I messed my hair up. she came and was radically changed and that is what this church is about you see we're going to spend a great deal of our time and our energy and our attention on reaching the unconvinced and we're not going to spend all of our time trying to keep the already convinced happy because i can't keep you happy most of you can't keep yourself happy amen how am i going to keep you happy amen we're going we're going to reach people who are far from God. I mean, that's what this church is about. That's why we launched the crazy campaign. And, and, and many of you have pledged. And we got 3.1 million pledges. And you're giving aggressively towards the pledge that you made. That's why we're building 42,000 more square feet. We're not doing it for our health. We're not doing it to reach more church people. We're doing it to reach more people who are far from God. Because we have a deep conviction that Jesus changes lives. There's a, a second thing that I want to share with you regarding the vision of People's Church. Number two is People's Church will continue to be diversified and unified. Diversified and unified. People's Church is focused on creating an environment where all people can connect with God. 
Listen, we're going to be a church that is integrated, not segregated. We're going to celebrate diversity and not just tolerate it. We're going to be a church that's friendly, that's a loving church. We're going to welcome people no matter who they are or what they've done or what they look like. Listen, this church will be a church where different skin colors, different cultures, different ages, different financial statuses, the different denominations will come together and worship Jesus Christ. Christ, this church will be a little heaven on earth. How many know that heaven is not segregated? That messed up some of your theology, didn't it? Come on, you thought there was a whole black section where there's going to be black music, and then there's a white section where there's just going to be rock and roll music. Oh, no! Heaven is a unified place. And people's church, we're going to let the love of Jesus dominate our lives and we're going to be a church where all people can connect with God diversified and unified Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 1 as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling listen we've been called you're called to be a follower of Christ pastor how do I live a life worthy of the calling verse 2 be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. And can I tell you, here's where a lot of churches miss it. Here's where a lot of Christ followers miss it. We make every effort to do the exact opposite. <laughs> to cause as much chaos, much disunity as possible. And, 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 and Paul says, listen, listen, if you want to live a life worthy of the calling, make every, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Through the bond of peace. Verse 4, there is one body. Can I tell you, church, there's just one body? It's very diversified, but there's just one body of Christ. Somebody says, well, pastor... I just want to go to a church where there's just black music. Well, you're in the wrong church because we're going to be diversified. Pastor, I want to be in a church where there's just rock and roll music. We're just going to sing hymns. Well, you're in the wrong church because we're going to be diversified. We may play some Japanese music one Sunday. We may come up in here, and I got cowboy boots on. We're doing country music, but we're going to be diversified and unified at the same time. The most segregated hour every week is Sunday morning. But God's going to help us, amen? God's going to help us here at People's Church. Friends, the Scripture goes on to say, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Listen, there's one Lord. There's different expressions, but there's just one Lord and one faith and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Listen, our God is a God that says, listen, if you'll be led by the Spirit, you can be diversified and unified at the same time. There's just one Lord. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says in verse number 1, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, surely we do have some encouragement from knowing Christ. If any comfort from His love, surely we've got some comfort from the love of Jesus Christ. If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, Paul says, then make my joy complete. How? By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Be unified. Have the same vision. How do we mess this up? Where do things go wrong? Verse number three, Paul tells us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, 
but also to the interest of others. And the reason that churches quit being like-minded, the reason they... And all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. There's a whole nother... Having the same love and, and being one in spirit and purpose is because of selfishness. See, a lot of church people, church people get full of selfish ambition instead of God's ambition. And they start making church all about them. They turn inward and quit looking outward. Come on, I want you to help the, the, the pastor again today. Would you help me? Just look at your neighbor and just tell them this. It's not about you. Come on, help me out. Come on, tell them. Come on, it's not about you. I mean, when did you start thinking that church was all about you? I mean, where did you get that from? I mean, we got 23, 2,400 people that call this their church home. And when did you start thinking that we were going to do church just for you? Well, well, when I, when I show up to church, this is what I want. It's not about you. Well, well, when I go to church, this is what I like. Come on, help me out. It's not about you. Well, if I was the pastor, come on, look at your neighbor. You're not the pastor, amen? When did you think you was the pastor? Who told you that? Why did you come up with your own vision? We got to go start your own church. You got your own thing going. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about making Him known. It's about loving on Him. It's about magnifying His name. It's about lifting Him up. Church was never about you and I. It's always been about Jesus. And we're going to be diversified and unified at the same time. Point number three. Point number three. People's church will continue to help followers of Christ grow spiritually. Help followers of Christ grow spiritually. Today I want to just give you our baseball diamond. If you'll get to our new members, newcomers luncheon and new members luncheon on September the 7th, I'll go into more detail on this. But if you draw a baseball diamond on your bulletin, and first base is this. Here's how we want to help you grow spiritually. You've got to be committed to church. Be committed to church. Bring your family to church, your kids, your teenagers. And here's what I guarantee you. If you'll be committed to church every single week, we're going to sing songs that lift up Jesus under the anointing of God's Spirit. Every single week, and here's what I guarantee you, we're going to teach from God's Word. We're going to teach the Bible to you in a very practical, applicable way where you can understand. And if you'll apply it to your life, it'll change your life. You'll grow closer to God. There's nothing like corporate worship and coming to church and hearing God's Word. There's a second way that we want to help you grow spiritual, spiritually. Second base is be committed to daily prayer and Bible reading. Daily prayer and Bible reading. P and B. Prayer and Bible reading. Hear me today. You've got to become a self-feeder. A self-feeder. You can't make it all my responsibility. Well, Pastor, it's your responsibility to make sure I grow spiritually. No, 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 no. You've got to grow spiritually yourself. It's a wonderful day that we live in that we can all have a Bible ourselves. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, please come up following this experience and we'll give you one absolutely free. Listen, it's a wonderful thing that I don't have to pray for you. I do pray for you as our church family. But you can pray for yourself. You can know God yourself. You can get tucked away with God by yourself and pray and read His Word and grow. You've got to become a self-feeder. You say, Pastor, how do you grow spiritually? I mean, Pastor, you have to preach every week. How do you grow spiritually? Every single day, I spend time in God's Word. And I pray. And I seek God. I mean, rarely does a day go, go by that I'm not in the Scripture. 
and pray because I want to draw closer to God. And I realize nobody can do that for me except me. Number three, third base, if you're on a baseball diamond, our third base on how we help you grow spiritually is be committed to serving in ministry. Be committed to serving in ministry. When you start serving, it destroys selfishness in you. Almost every time, I can't say every time, but almost every single time, when people start yang yang at church and complaining at church, they're full of selfishness. And oftentimes, they're not serving anybody else. They're a consumer. It's all about them. And they hop from church to church, consumer. What's about me? You better give me what I want. And they're never served. They never get plugged into a vision and say, I'm going to make a difference. And, and I'm going to be hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm going to help accomplish this vision that's bigger than me. And you know what happens when you start serving others? You take your eyes off yourself. And you get your eyes on others. And matter of fact, Jesus said, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant. Number four, a fourth way that we help you grow spiritually here at People's Church is home plate. Home plate is be committed to a community group. Be committed to a community group. And this is where you build friendships, where you grow spiritually with other believers, study God's Word, be, you're cared for. It's a place of accountability. Can I tell you in a church this size, five experiences on Sundays, there's no way that I know everybody. I don't know everybody's names. I don't know who you are. I, I can't tell you if you're here every week or not for most of you. I, I just can't, I can't do that at a church this size. But our community groups are a place where people know your name. They know your kids. They know when you miss. They pray for you. They care for you. You grow spiritually together. Listen, God never designed his church for you to do life all by yourself. He just never did. He wanted you to grow together with a group of people. That's why he designed the local church. And I want to help you get committed to a community group. I want you to grow spiritually. I believe the community group atmosphere is a place where you'll grow spiritually the best. And if you'll take the card out of your, out of your bulletin, there's a community group card. And we're not going to force you. We're not going to make you. We just want to help you. That's all. We just want to help you. And if you'll fill this card out front and back, there are going to be some pink buckets there in the back. There's some pink buckets. And if you'll drop this card in a bucket, we just want to help you help facilitate and help you get plugged into a community group. You can check out two or three, whatever, whatever suits you. But we want to help you get to know some people at your church home and build some friendships and grow spiritually. And, and maybe you're saying, Herbert, I'm brand new here. I mean, I've only been coming. This is my first time here. I've only been coming for a week or two, and I'm just not ready to make that step. Here's what you can do. Write on your card, October, October. And what we are going to do in October is we're going to launch a series to help you get connected in the community group. It's going to be a four-week DVD series that you can take the DVD home and all you have to do is push play. I do all the talking. I, I, I do all the questions. All you have to do is push play and be the facilitator of the group. And we'll do the rest for you. Just for four, a four-week commitment. Just so you can get to know some people. Check out what Community Groups is all about. If that interests you, maybe you want to be a host home. Or you want to help launch one of those DVD groups in October. Just write October on your communication card. And we want to help you get plugged in to Community Groups. Where life change occurs best in a small group setting. Church, would you just close your eyes with me right now? Here's, here's the thing. Here's the comforting thing. It says, but he walked in your shoes. You see, if all we knew about was, of God was that he was so different, that he was so much bigger, that he was so out there that we couldn't understand him, that would be kind of depressing. Because it's cool. You don't want God to be like you. It's good that there's more out there. But it's a little scary because you can't relate to him at all. But the thing is, Jesus, he walked in your shoes. 
Check this verse out. This is my favorite passage in all of Scripture. Right here. John chapter 1, 14. Because it's so important. It says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. Now, let me try and explain this concept to you a little bit. The Bible talks about the Word. And the Word is like the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. And it, and it was there from the beginning. It actually helped to create the heavens and the earth. And so this thing that lasted forever, the Word, it becomes human in Jesus. That the God of the universe, the one who had created everything, the one who existed before you existed, became human and walked among us. That is so amazing. And I don't understand how that works. That's called a miracle. I don't get it. But I know that Jesus was here, that he walked, and so he can understand you. Jesus understands everything you've gone through. If you guys ever faced temptations and trials, Jesus went through that. Right? There, there's a passage that talks about Jesus being tempted in the desert. He went through that. You guys experience pain? You experience trials? There's this verse in the Bible that says, Jesus wept like he cried. Jesus actually cried. He felt pain. He probably cut himself on like a thorn branch one day. Right? Walking around. It happens. He probably cried sometimes. He probably felt really happy sometimes. He probably felt depressed. He probably felt doubt. He probably pooped his pants when he was a little baby, right? Jesus was human. He was human. And so that means that he can relate to you. Because I know that some of you still poop your pants. He can relate to you, right? I'm just kidding. Okay. He became flesh. He became human. He walked among you. And so you guys can relate to who he is. The third thing on there about Jesus being like a UFO is that he's too big to fully understand. He's just too huge. You can't fully understand him. Psalm chapter 8, it says this. It says, When I look at the night sky and I see the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are people that you should think about them? Mere mortals that you should care for them? Have any of you guys ever like been outside when it's a perfectly clear day and you can see all the stars and it's just awesome? And you're just like staring up into the, into the sky thinking, wow, I am so small. This is so incredible. I once heard that if you take a dime and you stick it out like this, and you, you close one eye and you look out in space, that you'll cover 15 million stars with that dime if your eyes were good enough to see them all. So in the space that that dime takes up, 15 million stars. That is a lot. Our universe is huge. And that's nothing compared to the galaxy after that and the galaxy after that. It's massive. You can't wrap your head around it. And we're just this like little insignificant blip on the universe's radar screen. And I remember sometimes I sit out there and I look at these stars and I'm like, God, I don't understand. Like, who am I? Do you even pay attention to me? Do you even care? Because look, look how much bigger the universe is than I am. But check out what this verse says. It says, you know, who are people that you should think about them? Who, are, who am I? And, and, and that verse goes on and it says, you know what? It says, but God cares about you. He notices you. You're not just this insignificant speck in the universe. You actually matter to God. And so that's the second thing is that even though Jesus is so big, it says he makes himself known. But Jesus makes himself known. See, we wouldn't be able to understand Jesus on our own. He's too big for us to understand. But he chooses to share himself with us. Check out this verse in 1 Corinthians 
Hang in there, it's a little long, but this is such an awesome verse. It says, But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything, and he shows us God's deep secrets. You remember week one when I talked about how friends tell each other secrets? Right? And if you're not a friend, then you won't share secrets with each other? God shares his deepest, biggest secrets with you. How awesome is that? Like, what does that say? It's like, God wants to be close to you. He wants to be your friend. He cares about you. He shows us your deepest secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. So here's what that verse is saying. He's saying, on your own, you cannot understand Jesus. He's too big. You can't understand him. But God chooses to reveal him to you. He chooses to share his secrets. The Bible, right? He's laid it out. He's shown you how to live. He, he speaks to you. He reveals himself to you. You can know Jesus. So he, here's kind of the action steps that I want you guys to take for this week is, how can you know Jesus? How can you know him like that? And, and here's the first thing on there is to ask Jesus to live in you. Ask him. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's awesome. This is Paul is talking, and he's saying, You know what? I no longer live in this body, but Christ lives in me. I've emptied myself of everything, and I've allowed God to live inside of me. You can actually do that. You can ask Jesus to come take over, to come live in you, for his spirit that we were talking about earlier to live in you and to change who you are. And to not just take over one part of your, your life, but everything. Say, Jesus, I want my words to be your words. I want my hands to do your work. I want my feet to follow your path. I want to model myself after you. And, and here's the second one um, on your outline is to talk to Jesus. To talk to Jesus. Now, some of you guys are just kind of just barely getting to know me. And, and I'll admit right from the get-go that I am not very cool. Sometimes I'll try and understand like the hip new stuff that's going on at schools or whatever and I just, I, I'm totally oblivious. Like the new rap music, I don't know. Like I still think that Puff Daddy is the number one record seller. You know what I mean? It's like, and his name's probably not even Puff Daddy anymore because he changes it every week. Like, and, and so I remember um, I, I was at this winter camp one time with a group of high school students and this guy and this girl that were on the trip, they're in my youth group, like they're flirting with each other. And, and I kind of told them that, uh, that they were dating. And they're like, they looked at me like I was stupid. They're like, we are not dating. We are talking. I'm like, really? Talking? Okay, because I'm talking to you right now and I don't understand. That doesn't look like talking. It looks like flirting. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Before you date somebody, you talk. And I'm like, oh, Okay, that's weird. And, and, and so I came to learn that, like, you guys know what talking is, right? Talking is like this phase before dating where you get to know somebody. Where, where you're not, like, officially dating, but you're kind of spending a lot of time with each other and getting to know each other. And, and that's what that second point means is I want you to talk to Jesus, right? Now that might sound really weird, concept of dating Jesus or something is a little weird. But hear me out here. When you're talking to somebody, what do you do? You're so attentive to who they are. You want to figure out everything about them, right? You're curious. You're talking to them all the time. You're up on the phone until way too late, and your parents bust you because you're so excited to learn about this new person. 
and you're asking all these questions, and you're curious. And that's the way that Jesus wants you to be with him. He's like, I'm so huge. You could not possibly get to know me perfectly. For the rest of your life, you could try and get to know me, and there'll still be more. There'll still be more to it. And so he's like, I want you to talk to me. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to be curious and to get to know me for who I really am, to ask me questions, to look stuff up in the Bible, to try and figure out who I am, to ask questions, to think about me. Talk, you know? Dig into who God really is. And, and then here's the last thing uh, on your outline, is to look for Jesus in unexpected places. Look for Jesus in unexpected places. Now, um, I'm going to take a little trip over here. I have a, excuse me, prop. We typically like to think of Jesus as existing in a certain place. And that's what I call the box. So here's the box. And you imagine that Jesus is in the box. And so there's certain places where you expect to encounter Jesus, and there's certain places that you don't. Right? For some of you guys, you expect to experience Jesus in church. So you come here, and you're like listening for him. Right? I remember one week, uh, I came to church expecting to listen to God, to hear Jesus. And then after church, I kind of tuned out because I was like, all right, cool, now I'm done listening to God. Church is over. Now I'm going to Chipotle. And so I'm at Chipotle, and I just had this crazy God experience. Somebody came up to me, and they had this just most amazing conversation I've ever had about God. But I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't listening for it because Jesus was in my box. I thought he only talked to me at church, not at Chipotle right? And so I was tuned out. It's like on the radio. You know how there's probably stations that you guys would like, but you don't even know that they exist because you have never turned the dial to that station. And and see, God is actually all around you. Jesus is everywhere. But if you only experience him in your box, then you're missing out. And he's trying to say, you know what? I want you to destroy the box. Does somebody want to destroy the box? All right, come here. Give it your best, give it your best, whatever you can do. Creative, kick it. Awesome. This box is destroyed. Jesus no longer lives in this box. Or he's dead, which is bad. So you've destroyed the box. And, and, and here's, here's the point, here's the point. Now you can look for God everywhere. Because Jesus is actually all around you, you just don't pay attention to it. Check out this verse um, out of Psalms. This is so amazing. It's so awesome. Psalm 139. Check this out. He says, I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you're still there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, in the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide for you from you. Because to you, the night shines as bright as the day. How crazy is that? It's like God is everywhere, and you can't escape from his presence. And so if you're only looking for Jesus in your box, you're missing out because he's all over the place, and you're just not looking for him. And so the challenge is to look for him in unexpected places. When you're at school this week, expect to find Jesus. Don't just look for him here. Don't just look for that feeling in this place. Expect to see him at school. Expect him to show up at Chipotle. Expect him to show up at your house. 
in the middle of your parents fighting. He's still there. You're just not looking for him, right? Tune in to Jesus. Here's the final thought. Jesus is waiting to enter into your world. Let him in, right? It's that simple. Let him in this week. Jesus is not exactly like a UFO. He's close. He's near. He understands you. He wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to ask him to come into your heart and to search for him all around, to talk to him, to look for him everywhere. So guys, I'm going to invite the worship band up and they're, they're going to sing a couple of songs and, and uh, one of these songs is a new song. And, and I asked the band to play it because it's got these really cool words that says, you never let go. You never let go. And the song is about Jesus being close about Jesus being near, that he's not some faraway distant figure like a UFO, but he's actually close. He can live in you. His spirit can reside inside of you and that you can experience Jesus this week. And and so during these next couple of songs, I want you guys to tune into the words and to really be paying attention um, and to make that your prayer. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you don't leave us as orphans. Um, that you're not just this faraway, distant, UFO, alien Jesus that has nothing to do with our lives and that we can't relate to. God, I thank you so much that you're there, that you're close, that your spirit is here right now. God, that we can feel you, that we can experience your presence. And so, Lord, I pray that during these next couple of songs, Lord, that you would draw near to us, that you would open our eyes to the fact that you're all around us already and we're just tuned out. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to tune into that radio station, that we'd be able to look for you all around and that we'd experience you in a powerful way this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Amen, never take for granted the gift that God has given you. And I'm just excited to be here. Pastor Sam, uh, Pastor Sam Rife Coco now was telling me so many great things about this church. So I believe we're just going to have an awesome, awesome time this morning. How many of you came to hear a word from the Lord? Did you come to hear a word? Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to go straight to the word of the Lord. Because if y'all feel like hearing this, like I feel like preaching it, something awesome is going to happen in this place today. Amen. How, how many of you got your Bibles? You got your Bibles? Just wave it in the air like you just do care. Amen. Amen. Keep it up there a little longer. And Pastor Lama, you want to see where all the Christians are. Amen. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I want to go to the Gospel of John, chapter number 4. We want to look at verses 5 through 14. Oh, before I, before I do that, hold on. I, I got to give this disclaimer. I got to give this disclaimer. Uh, I'm sure this is a lot of people. How many of you, you never heard me preach before? You never heard me preach before? That's, that's just about everybody. Okay, I got to give you this disclaimer. Uh, one of the things I love about the body of Christ is very diverse. It's very eclectic, all types of preaching styles. Uh, and there are some preachers uh, who are very calm. Uh, they're very collected. And they stand behind the sacred desk to pontificate the processes of philosophy, eschatology, and soteriology, and want you to sit very calmly as they share what it is the Lord has deposited in their heart. Uh, I'm not one of those preachers, amen. Okay, if, if y'all sit there, if y'all just sit there and are quiet the whole time, it's going to be a long service. You can talk back to me, because here's what I've always been confused with. I've always been confused with how you can have somebody at a football game, his shirt is off. 
half of his body is painted red. The other half is painted white. His stomach is hanging out, and he's sitting up here shouting, going, Woo! Pig suey, going crazy, because the backside of a pigskin went across a, red, a white line. But that same person comes in the church and says, Hallelujah glory to God. And you're serving a God that blessed you, that died on a cross for you, that redeemed you. How many of you know you ought to enter his gates with thanksgiving? Oh, come on somebody. And enter his courts with praise. So I'm a hollerback preacher. You can talk to me and we'll, it'll be all right. Gospel of John chapter number four, verses five through 14. When you're ready to read it, why don't you just shout, yeah, yeah. If you haven't found it and you're still looking for it, say, okay. Say, wait a minute, I want you to find it. Gospel of John, chapter number 4, verses 5 through 14. And it reads on this wise, it says, So he came, talking about Jesus, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Somebody just say living water. Oh, no, really say it like it's living. Living water. Yeah, living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons, his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But only some of the people that drink is that what it's? Oh, that's not, I'm sorry, my bad. Oh, uh, but half of the people that drink the Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, but the assembly of God people that drink the water. I'm sorry, I don't have my glasses on today. I have to excuse me. Oh, no, wait a minute. But whoever, oh, that, that, see, that's anybody. Who, whoever drinks the water I give him oh, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, that's good all by itself, but, but I still got to preach. Uh, th this morning, it is my assignment to preach, teach, uh, encourage, exhort, and implore you using as a subject, take a drink. Take a drink. Do me a favor and just look at the person next to you and say, neighbor. No, no, really tell them, neighbor. I usually wouldn't say this in church, but you really need to take a drink. Oh, that, that was the wrong neighbor. They were too stuck up. They didn't want to talk to you. Look at somebody else. Look at somebody else. Say, hey, other neighbor. It is important that you take a drink. Amen, amen. Let's pray before we go into this word today. God, I thank you for this opportunity to declare your word. God, because I'm cognizant of the fact that the grass withers, the flower fades, but your word shall stand forever. God, I pray that your spirit would saturate this place from center to circumference. God, do whatever you want to do. God, we throw our agenda aside, God, and we have an ear to hear what your spirit is saying, God. So in these next few moments, God, I decrease so that you may increase. And I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay, that they may be endowed with power from on high to articulate the transformational truth of your word. And God, we serve 
serve notice on the enemy today, God. We shall receive every single thing that you have for us, God. And I thank you that our destiny is so much greater than our history. And I give you the glory and the thanks in advance for what you're going to do in this place today. In your precious name, I pray. And somebody who loves them, just shout amen. Amen. Take a drink. The life of a preacher is a fascinating thing. Uh, it is an extraordinary thing. Oftentimes, my mother will apprise me of the time that I was just a little kid, and I could be found running around my house uh, with nothing on but my Huggies diapers, uh, my Easter Sunday suit, and I would be shouting at the top of my lungs, I am going to be a preacher. Uh, I would preach to my stuffed animals till they got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and, and repented of all the stuff uh, that they were dealing with. <laughs> get that tomorrow and uh, uh some of the first churches uh, that i preached at were bathroom assembly of god and when i got sick of preaching there i moved into kitchen first united kitchen and and church of god in christ of the living room it was it was an awesome thing so so please don't let my young face fool you i've been preaching the gospel for 20 plus years uh now and and the reason i say that the life of a preacher is a fascinating thing is because whenever god has been given you the mandate and the directive to preach uh, you have the the responsibility to constantly consecrate yourself before God and position yourself so deeply in his presence that you put your ear to the very heartbeat of God so that whenever you open up your mouth to speak or to preach you are not declaring what thus saith the preacher but you are definitively declaring what thus saith the Lord and it is that responsibility that enables you to hear God speaking to you through everything I'm telling you God speaks to me and will speak to you through absolutely everything everything. Please don't be naive enough to think that God only speaks in sermons and God only speaks in church and through hymns and even through his word. But if you have an ear to hear what he's saying, God will speak to you through everything. I'm telling you, people look at me like I am crazy because while I'm driving in the car, all of a sudden one hand will be on the steering wheel and the other hand will reach for a pen or a pencil because God will speak to me while I'm driving. I'll be sound asleep in the middle of the night and God will wake me up sometimes at three or four o'clock in the morning and say, real quick, go to this passage write this down and God will speak to me while I'm sleeping and to that I usually say Lord couldn't this have waited to you know like later on in the afternoon I'm telling you he speaks to me through everything people look at me like I have lost my mind like I'm just cuckoo for cocoa puffs because in the middle of a TV commercial or a movie theater I will stand up and say hallelujah glory to God that, that's good right there because he'll speak to me while I'm watching TV Oh, you don't believe me. Y'all don't believe me. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are, in fact, on the precipice of what I believe is one of the most strategic elections in the history of this nation. And a few weeks ago, like many of you, I was watching both of the conventions, both the Democratic and the Republican convention. And while I was watching it, the thing that shocked me and amazed me the most, I was watching the crowd. Because the audience was so electric. I mean, they were jumping up and down. They were shouting. They were praising. They were, I mean, going crazy. I mean, they outshout some of you church people. I mean, uh, they were just so excited over every word that came out of these candidates' mouths. And, and while I'm watching this God speaking to me, he said, Robert, uh, do you notice they're not shouting over what these candidates have done? Because they haven't even stepped into office yet. He said they're shouting over what these candidates promise they'll do. God help me in here today. So even the world knows that whenever you've been given a promise, that promise ought to provoke you to praise even before it comes to pass. 
And I came to tell somebody this morning that I know a candidate whose promises never, ever fail. If you ask him what he's going to do about the economy, he'll tell you, I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider, and I'll supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. If you ask him what he's going to do about the environment, he'll tell you, I'm the maker of heaven and earth, and that heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. If you ask him what he's going to do about health care, he'll tell you, 2,000 years ago, I single-handedly paid for universal health care because I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquities. So by my stripe, oh, I wish I felt that like I feel it today. You're already healed. Don't vote for Obama. Don't vote for McCain. You ought to vote for the King of Kings and the Lord, whoo, the Lord of Lords. His promises never, ever fail. I'm telling you, God speaks to me through everything. That was not TBN. That was CNN. He, he speaks to me through everything. He speaks to me at the gas station, Pastor Longmate. I was at the gas station not too long ago, uh, and I got ready to call a tow truck uh, to get my car. Uh, not because there was anything wrong with it, but with gas prices as high as they are, uh, I'm now estimating that it's cheaper to have my truck towed from place to place uh, than to pay almost $4 a gallon uh, for gas. And so while I'm sitting there at the gas station, uh, God speaks to me and says, Robert, if you think gas is too high, uh, then just don't pay for the gas. Don't put it in your car. I said, Lord, I can't afford to do that because I have a destination uh, that I'm getting to. And, and then God said, Robert, do you know why gas prices are rising? I said, yes, Lord, I do. Gas prices are rising uh, because the cost of oil is rising. And then the Lord said something that started making me have church in the middle of Exxon. He said, uh, Robert, you must understand that because the oil is so costly. Because the oil is so precious and so valuable, you personally have to pay the price to get to your destination. And some of y'all miss that, but you must understand that biblically, oil is a metaphor for the anointing. And can I tell you that the anointing of God is so costly, is so strong on your life, that some of you are going to have to go through something. It's going to cost you something. You might have to cut some people off. But how many of you know that the anointing of God is worth what you're going through? And God's going to take you to a place and use you like never before I'm preaching better than y'all are talking in here I'm telling you God speaks to me through everything my sisters won't even go to the movies with me anymore and they, they won't because I started getting excited I started having church when they told Nemo to keep swimming just keep swimming. You know why? Because his father was looking for him. His father was coming after him and Nemo had to understand that there's no height, nor depth, nor present, or future, nor angel or demon that can ever separate you from the love of your father. So just keep swimming, Nemo. Oh, I know your neighbor's name is not Nemo, but tell him keep swimming. Just tell him to keep swimming. I'm telling you, God, he speaks to me through everything. He, he speaks to me through everything, even through, through nature. My, my, my father, he has a green thumb. and He's always planting stuff. 